Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Hi and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Sarah Hendy and on today's programme we're looking ahead to the Isle of Man Film Festival and the Our Island Our World Festival of World Music and Culture. in touch if you'd like to come up and talk about what you do creatively or if you know something that you think we ought to know about spotlight at manxradio.com is the email address or you can message the manx radio facebook page this weekend is set to be massive with our island our world festival of world music and culture making its debut at the peel centenary center and peel cathedral and the isle of man film festival founder of the isle of man film festival dave armstrong joins us now to tell us what's in store well, this year I thought I'd take, just take a holiday and uh, leave everyone to it. No, it is, it is a, an exciting week. And we, we're sort of, I suppose, graced with, with a string of fortunate events, really, that, that lead us to, uh, to have some of the events that we do have. Um, two exciting ones. Well, there's a lot of exciting ones. They're all exciting events. But the um, 2001 screening is the event that I would be looking forward to. Um, had I not probably got to run around doing a lot of other things, but the 2001 screening on Friday in 4K Ultra HD and with a special guest, Stanley Kubrick's daughter is coming in for question and answers. And uh, I think that will be a very exciting evening. And for anybody that's not seen that film, remember that is the one that started it all. It was a benchmark. It was a yardstick by which every other sci-fi movie had to had to reach, and that was 1968. I mean, most people that are listening may not have been born in 1968. It was a fantastic film. 50 years ago, 50th anniversary of 2001. Um, special Q and A, um, and it's going to be a packed house. Equal favorite, I suppose, is uh, our patron Mark Kermode is turning up on Saturday night to tell us tales of his dreams of being a, a pop star. Because uh, that's what he wanted to do when he started off. He didn't really want to be um, the film critic that we know and love, or in some cases probably know and hate. <laughs> um, but Mark, uh, Mark's going to tread the boards at the Gaty Theatre one more time. I think he likes it there. We're just so very lucky to have him as our patron. He comes over every year. He he adds such such weight and presence to our festival. Um, and he's great fun, and his show is going to be great fun. But it's not just Mark. Um, we're going to have the cream of Manx artists performing some fantastic songs from the movies. Uh, Mark's going to introduce them, and there's going to be some nice big clips on a big screen. Um, and that will be a fantastic evening at the Gaty. That's on Saturday evening. At the Alabama Film Festival, you have the the big headline acts, as it mm-hmm. were, but also there's a heck of a lot of opportunities for people to get involved themselves in filmmaking or film skills. Yeah. Well, what we want to do is we, we want to try and create create a festival for everyone. The events that I've mentioned so far, really they're there to invite and entice as wide an audience as we can. We've got a fantastic movie quiz on Thursday night at The Cat With No Tail. Um, that's going to be fun. Our quiz master, Richard Hurd, has been putting it together and he's pulling some very, very tricky questions out of his hat. But we've got some great prizes for that. For that. Um, 
on Saturday daytime, we've got a couple of fantastic workshops. We've got a screenwriting workshop with um, Adam Kempton, who's a, a veteran producer, director and screenwriter. That's on Saturday daytime at the Claremont Hotel. And even better, for those of you who need to get some frustrations out, pretending maybe it's your boss at work, combat workshops, screen combat workshops on Saturday. Um, it's for adults and for children. Um, uh, well, we have a session for adults and a session for children. We want to want to put the two together because the, ch- the kids would probably kick ten. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, so that'd be great fun because if you can imagine, you know, you know, okay, it's it's not real. Co- you don't want to make contact with anybody, but you can learn how they do it on screen, how that magic happens. The Friday night, two thousand one screening is, I think sold out at this moment. we still got tickets left for Mark Kermode's event. And I think for any of, you that, any of you who are really into film but haven't really experienced the magic of short films before, Sunday we have a free screening of our international entries into the Short Film Festival competition. And this is a short film festival primarily. And on Sunday we've got the shortlisted films and there are 15 absolutely fantastic short films to be screened at the Broadway, free. And then in the afternoon, we have our gala rewards and the, the best of the festival will be awarded that by Mr. Kermode himself. Um, so we have several prizes and we also have a screening of some amazing Manx films. Yeah, as a filmmaker, it's, it's always a little bit scary because... I know what I've got to, you know, if I'm sending a film off to a festival, I've got to compete with those films. However, one of them, one of the uh, Isle of Man screenings in the afternoon is a film called Ready to Go. And that has just reaped many awards. And that's directed by a first time director, our very own Linda Reese, who's prop master. And uh, she had a prop shop up in, up in um, Andreas. And... Uh, she was a prop master and now she's gone on to direct. Her first time directorial debut has won a dozen awards, been in loads of festivals and it is an absolutely fantastic film and we'll get a chance to, to screen it for the first time in the Isle of Man on Sunday afternoon. We're trying to encourage encourage people to get involved with film. Not, not, not everyone's going to want to go out and make a film but we've got um, a young filmmaking competition this year which is uh, supported by by sure so they've put out this competition called budding young filmmakers and we've had quite a few interesting entries and basically go out and make a film about your family or your pet or your home um just to encourage the next generation of filmmakers to get out there pick up a smartphone pick up a tablet make a little film get engaged come and see some short films and maybe maybe that spark might be there and you think you know what i could be the next Spielberg or Bigelow. You know, our aim is to engage the public with filmmaking, but also to encourage, hopefully encourage and inspire a new generation of filmmakers. This is a showcase for international films to be screened here at our festival, but it's also a showcase opportunity for local filmmakers as well. There is one other event that I do have to mention, and it is a, a, a project that was that was very dear to my heart and very a very fascinating project um, produced by a friend of mine, Alistair Wardsley. But on Wednesday in Peel Centenary Centre, we have a screening 
of a film called Stronger Than Bullets. It's a documentary film. It's very powerful, set in the time of the Arab Spring and the blossoming of musicians and music that had been up to that point underground. And it's a story of how, how, I suppose, culture was buried. And we take it for granted here. We take it for granted on our island and this part of the world that's free. Um, yet they had to play in basements. They had their guitars smashed and, and lived in a world that we can't really understand. This gives you a, a really interesting take on that very important part in, in history and that very troubled part of the world. Um, and we're very fortunate to have the director who's flown a f- from L.A. and a hip-hop artist, Malik L., who's a Libyan dissident exile. He is now flying to the Isle of Man and he will be there for Q&A as well. And we just want to share that film. Just remind us of the website where we can find more information, if you don't mind. Pop along to isleofmanfilmfestival.com for all your film festival needs. <laughs> no, yeah, please go, go to our festival website go to our facebook site iomff and like things i think that's what you're supposed to do in that newfangled way obviously the alaman film festival wouldn't can't run in a vacuum without the support um of both crews volunteers but we've got a lot of sponsors that help make it happen it's not an easy thing to to pull off and we're very fortunate to have the support of many sponsors but this year we've taken on taken a partnership with Isle of Media, who's our new partner in the film festival. And obviously they're an ideal partner because they, they operate within the same industry that we do. Um, and I think together we can really help cement this festival and put a pin in the map internationally. Um, they represent the Isle of Man in all things media, film, and, and I think the festival and them make ideal partners. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. In Peel this Friday the 7th and Saturday the 8th of September, the island sees its first Our Island, Our World Festival of World Music and Culture. Friday's lineup features the Vera Van Heeringen Trio, Sheila Nagig and Backer Beyond. Now she's a very busy lady, but I was lucky enough to be able to catch up with the lovely Sue Hart of Backer Beyond, funnily enough while she was climbing a hill in Somerset. I've got three choirs and I do workshops about the backer. So all summer we've been going to camps and I've been teaching singing camps and they have also raised money because they've had us as the as the charity of the camp, the backer. So one camp in Ireland raised 8,000 euros, you know, for the backer. And then another camp in England raised nearly that. So we just... It's so great that we're so supported by people, and we, you know, we can tell them all about it. We can, we teach them the songs, we tell them the stories, we tell them all about the state of the backer and how they're being thrown out of the forest because the government says that they own the whole forest, they own everything, and they want um, them out. They find them inconvenient, so they're living on the roadside with the promise of education, which is really not what we would see as education and then they're just in the in the dust of these logging trucks losing their culture um and being treated quite badly by everyone else because they're little they're forest people and they're just not respected so 
Yeah, it really is. It's all really, difficult. Yeah, it's devastating stuff to to hear about. And I mean, you're doing such a good job of spreading the word and raising awareness. And that that was uh, the focus of a recent tour that you did with uh, members of the Baca tribe. You took the Baca right. orchestra um, around to to meet other people in their situations in the forest in in Cameroon. Uh, how how was that? And um, I believe perhaps you're planning another tour um, off the yeah. back of it. Well, I think it's very valuable uh, because we get the backer to speak to camera about what they, what their problems are, how they, things can get better. Because they'll go and work for some somebody, and they won't get paid. They'll get alcohol. They get addicted to alcohol. They'll get uh, maybe a terrible old pair of trousers after working for four days, and they they find it really difficult to stand up for themselves because they've been brought up as egalitarian people. That means, you know, that everybody shares, everybody, there isn't a boss. They live maybe in a group of 40 or 50, and it's the way humans have always lived. Because we're, you know, hunter-gatherers, we were all hunter-gatherers for most of our time on the planet, and they're still living in that way, which is very beneficial for humans. It works, but in a kind of cutthroat world, you're the victim of it and you're just taking advantage of, which is what happens to them. So they're able to speak their stories and other backer realise, hey, yes, that's my story too. And it makes them feel more powerful that eventually something, you know, power in numbers, something might happen so that things, they're more looked after and they have enough power to speak to the authorities and change the deal. This is our long-term aim. Make them powerful enough to speak for themselves. You've had a relationship with these people for for quite a long time now. You must have seen twenty five years now yeah. of the band of our band, so it's longer than that. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, you must have watched people blossom and flourish, um, as a result of people, the yeah. the opportunities yeah. Yeah, you've yeah. Uh, you've shared with well, them. Well, it's long. It's very long term. You know, things. When we first went, we went and lived in the forest, and it was idyllic and gorgeous. And then, um, anthropologist. Uh, that I met, she, she said that for the last 15 years, well, while the people have the people have been more abused and the alcohol has become more and more of a problem, which the Bantu, the big people, brew, um, and it's all illegal and really horrible stuff. But it turns the backer into their slaves. They, you, you know, so that's happened and um, it's got worse. But I think people, it's a it's a stage on the way and. We're just trying to build them up, and I think it'll take a long time. And a lot of people will be won't have a good life. This is what happens to Indigenous people. I've, I've seen it in Alaska, where our band went on tour. You could see all the Indigenous people becoming alcoholics, and uh, you know it happened to the the Native people in America and in Australia. It's, it's something that happens to these people who are the guardians of the planet and have all the knowledge of nature and um, they become inconvenient to those who want to take over, make money, 
build golf courses, whatever. Yeah, oh God, I know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, but mm. I suppose the, the beautiful thing about your band is that you're sharing with the wider world the um, the unique sounds of the Baku yeah. tribe, which um, it's it's not sort of just music as we know it, it's music in its most holistic sense. It's for hunting, yeah. it's ritualistic, it's... Um, it's for prayer, it's for fun. And so the kind of yeah. music that we hear you make with them, along with your own native uh, Celtic traditional music influences too, it's a real it's a real celebration of native music and traditions um, and, and such, mm. such a powerful fusion. Yeah, it's joyful. The, the Baka live in the moment, you know, and it's such a reminder that they can fully live in the moment and that there is only now. And you do get a massive joy from that. Because, you know, that's the way they live. They, they don't, never needed to think of tomorrow because the forest was always going to be there forever and ever. And if they see it like a parent who will always look after them. And and that comes through in in the way that they they think, you know, their their mentality, their their joy of life. You know, we, we're so happy, so privileged that we, we just bumped into them when we saw a TV documentary and the music... The music is so spine tingling. I mean, the way that the women sing out to the forest, to the animals, and they enchant the animals because they sing this phenomenal music, which all interlocks. Um, and, you know, that's just changed our lives, being understanding that and more and more, still understanding more and more of that because it's, it is very complex and there's millions of these tunes. Um, and being able to share that and get people to sing in that way, which is this interlocking way where you don't, you're not alone. You listen to each other and the listening is the main bit. You fold in and out of each other's voices like somebody might make a plait of hair. And it's, it isn't about being alone as our society often is, you know, it's me, me, me. There it's us together, our power together. And to translate that into music is a different way round that, that makes you different. I think it's um, it's made me a much better leader of choirs, having this their knowledge and their understandings of things, and it, it makes the band um, really woven together as well. So that, I think that's that's it. That's what makes the the music so powerful and joyful. Today is set to be a day of free family fun with a daytime celebration at Peel Cathedral featuring dance, food and music from around the world. Saturday night features music from headliners Soothsayers with Clash Boer and the Angel Brothers. I spoke to Keith Angel, one half of the Angel Brothers, ahead of their return to the island. 
It's not the first time that you visited the Isle of Man. You've been over uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I've been over a couple of times, uh, probably about, must be about 10 years um, since the last, last came over, eight or 10 years. And um, you know, thoroughly enjoyed it and um, loved the audiences and loved the island, really. Dave and Lizzie in the past, Dave McLean and Lizzie have been like the consummate hosts. So we always had these kind of whistle-stop tours of the island, which in all its kind of like micro-environments, which we've found really inspiring. So we've actually kind of booked an extra day this year of staying so we can um, get about and after after the gig and stuff and uh, do a bit more exploring, really, because it's one of our favourite places. It's quite it's really fascinating. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. That's what it's all about, isn't it, I suppose? I wonder yeah. if there's sort of colours of home at all here. I mean, you grew up in South Yorkshire. I was kind of wondering how you and your brother first um, were introduced to world music or music from other cultures and countries and how that how that sort of came to have such an effect on you. Well, a couple of things, really. I mean, we grew up in like a pit village in South Yorkshire, so both our grandfathers were miners. And um, we kind of didn't do music at school or anything. We just kind of got into it um out of hours, if you like, you know, um, and became obsessed by playing guitar, drums, percussion and stuff. And Dave playing the guitar and I'm um, percussion and drums. And then through the radio, really, through um, stuff like Charlie Gillett and Andy Kershaw, um, their programmes, which kind of beamed into, like, I was living in Thurnscourt at the time, a pit village, I think, in the, in the 80s, early 90s, and um, got into it that way. And also travelling a lot. We started travelling and um, going to Womad and stuff, and then further afield, I went to... Uh, Festival au Desert uh, near Timbuktu at Essakan, which was a great experience. And we met Satnam Singh, who was um, a friend of ours in Doncaster, who was actually a, a doll and tabla player, who was, you know, from a sort of similar background to us in some ways, you know, he was a working class lad brought up in Doncaster. So we kind of got to know him and then started playing together. And uh, Satnam's kind of retired from playing now, really, but um, we spent the first years of the band playing with him. So, so it all got kind of mixed up. We were kind of interested in uh, kind of Latin music and folk music and stuff. And African music, Satnam was like, could play traditional sort of banger stuff and some pretty fancy tabla as well. So we kind of just mixed it up and <laughs> created our sound for the, the, the first album. That's why it's called From Punjab to Pit Top, because it was kind of Satnam's from the Punjab. We're from the pit top, so that's how it turned out. It's incredible how many different influences you managed to fit into your music and how, how were you first introduced to, to your instruments? Where did you start learning and, and who who inspired you to, to get started? Um, I think for me it was just like, um, I was just listening to like sort of pop music and stuff and kind of rock music. It was like the late 70s when I started and then got more into exploring kind of folk stuff and, and, and just, just through, you know, at a point of entry that you have a teenager like all teenagers do, sitting in the bedroom listening to stuff. It wasn't any different right then for me. And then you just find, we, we, there was a brilliant record library in Doncaster, really great record library that Dave and, Dave and I used to just spend loads of time in. And then the person that curated that had got loads of folk and world music albums, you know, vinyl albums and stuff. It was like pre-seed, even cassette and stuff. So we used to spend all our time in there and I go there like three times a week and they like amazing stuff that you would just never get. Um, in like local record shops and we started becoming obsessed by that you know and it was kind of anything from like some sort of um, you know Peter Gabriel albums through to like kind of um, like African music like Remy Ongala stuff like that and then um, kind of Pat Metheny you know kind of American kind of guitar based contemporary music so the record library for us was like kind of um, you know Gone in Nirvana, <laughs> it's incredible. And we used to just get stuff and like illegally tape it, of course, uh, back then, and make these compilation cassettes. And our music's like became grew out of these sort of compilations and that way of listening. Really, you know, it's pre pre internet. You've got to imagine that, you know, pre internet where all we've got is the radio, we've got records and the record library, 
and you have to kind of really seek stuff out. But that made us like super keen. And it's quite interesting how on your most recent album, I, f- I feel as though your music took maybe a slightly different turn than it had in the past because you uh, were quite open about how film music uh, has influenced you musically through your yeah. life. Yeah, particularly John Barry, you know, because he's a fellow Yorkshireman from York originally. You know, he used to, his dad used to run cinema in York and that's how he grew up. Um, you know, sitting in the projection room, listening, you know, getting fascinated by musical scores and as a child. You know, and we've always been really big John Barry fans, in particular Dave when he's composing stuff. I think um, you can hear that in his, his compositions, really. So we kind of, um, on the new album, we've done like a sort of homage to John Barry called The Name's Barry, you know, like The Name's Bond, James Bond, but it's The Name's Barry, John Barry. So um, we've done that and... Uh, we just kind of really like that side of things. It's like you kind of run your own film and your imagination to our music. That's how, that's how we see it and we hope people do anyway. You know. And it, it must be quite a big operation to bring your whole lineup over to the Isle of Man for this festival. Can we look forward to seeing everyone there and, and what kind of sound do you guys have these days? Well, I think with the latest um, record and stuff and kind of set we've done, we're going to play some old stuff but we're also going to play quite a bit of sort of Latin influence stuff just because Dave and I have just been listening to Latin music and going to gigs and stuff and getting totally even more into that kind of thing, like, you know, Ray Barretto and some of uh, Kuda's stuff that he's done with like Manuel Galiban, stuff like that. And um, so it's going to sound a bit like that. And I'll, I'll be playing a lot of Latin stuff. We've got Luke Carver-Goss on accordion, Andy Seward on bass, the legendary Andy Seward, and um, hopefully bringing Dave Formula, Formula Magazine, who's like our erstwhile keyboard player. Hopefully he can come on keyboards as well. So, um, yeah, the usual sort of entourage. <laughs> you know, I think everybody likes coming to the Isle of Man and having a good time, like, apart from anything else. Yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right there. And it's uh, your, your sound, it's quite groovy, funky, um, lots of dancing music, really. Yeah, you've got to dance. I mean, that's the point. That's what kind of always implore people to do because... Um, you know, we just react on how people are at the gig and people are really enjoying it and dancing and having a good time. It certainly inspires us to play better. We do actually play significantly better when people start dancing. And um, it's never a problem in Peel, usually. People are usually up for a good time. We've got an evening slot at the gig. I think it's on the Saturday. And by that time, I think people might be in the right mood for it, hopefully. For tickets and more information about both festivals can be found on the Spotlight blog at manxradio.com. That's all we have time for this week, but I'll be back next Wednesday from half past five. In the meantime, you can keep in touch through spotlight at manxradio.com and you can listen again online or download the programme as a podcast on the Manx Radio website. Have a lovely creative week. Slen you! <laughs>